Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Offerman and Jacob Breck taking a step back and looking at things for your Pittsburgh Steelers as they are in the midst of their bye week on an episode we did earlier this week that you can check out right now. Talking about the defense, the state of the defense, and where they need to go from here. So, naturally, got to do the other side of the football as well. Flipping things over to the offensive side of the ball, I think this is the unit that definitely could use a lot more work. That's for sure. Uh, I think you start with the front. I think the biggest question heading into the season was the offensive line for the Steelers. And I think so far our answer to that offensive line's play has been below the line. I think that it's leaving a lot to be desired. The Denver game was, I think, without a doubt, their best performance on the year so far. You kind of saw the offensive line get a little bit of traction against Green Bay, then hit their stride against the Denver Broncos. You were hoping that that would continue to just roll over week after week after week until Hell, maybe by week 15, week 16, you find yourself with a pretty average offensive line that can get the job done. They kind of took a step backwards against the Seahawks last week, though. They got blown off the line a lot and really couldn't give Najee any room to operate with uh, significant room to operate. He had to grind his way to 84 yards in that game, and that was one of the worst run defenses in football if not, by the end of the year, going to be the worst run defense in football. And for the line to kind of take a step back, in a way, against them after a great performance by their standards against the Broncos, that's a little concerning for me heading into the bye week. You saw this progress being made, and then all of a sudden kind of either stuck in neutral from week five to week six or even taking a little step backwards. And that's that ain't what you want to see right now. No, and it was essentially a trap game for this offensive line. The whole week, all you heard was how bad the Seattle defense was, especially against the run, and the expectations were set so high that if Najee wasn't running for over 150 yards, people were going to be let down, and not only did he not accomplish that feat, but he couldn't get over the the century mark. He only, as you said, had to get to 84 yards basically on the efforts by his own, right? It wasn't due to the help of the offensive line. You saw a lot of wear and tear on Najee throughout the game, and he earned every single one of those 84 yards with really no help or very little to no help from his line. I think the biggest disappointment on the offensive line this year so far has been Trey Turner. Uh, That was the guy that you were going to make your veteran presence. You bring him in. Uh, from the L.A. Chargers after having multiple Pro Bowl seasons with the Carolina Panthers before his last season with L.A., you think, okay, here's a guy that slots in after DeCastro leaves as the veteran presence on this line. You know, we're operating with two rookies in Dan Moore and Kendra Green, a second-year player in Dotson and a fourth-year player in Chooks. Need to get that veteran presence, need to get that guy who's been there, done that on this unit, and that was supposed to be Trey Turner. So far this year, he might be the most undisciplined of the bunch. Obviously, remember the spit incident earlier in this season that got him tossed from a football game. But I I think it's every week now. In fact, I think the Denver game is the only week that he didn't. He seems to fall start. He just seems to not have that 
focus and discipline about him mm-hmm. that you were hoping he would have this year. And what's extra frustrating is the false starts. I mean, the Steelers have played majority of home games throughout their stretch so far this year. They've only been on the road a handful of times. False starts again against Seattle on Sunday night when you're in your home stadium. False starts in the Oakland, the Bengals game. He can't keep. He keeps jumping off sides. He keeps playing below the line. And even though you look at the Moors and the Greens and the Dotsons and the Chukes and you say, well, they're not playing amazing either, there's still room to grow for them, and they're still raw. With Trey Turner, he was supposed to be the one that was as complete as he can get, and he's just not playing really well right now, and that's, to me, the most upsetting part. I completely agree with you. His one false start call, there are, I guess, two ways to look at it. One is the way that you and I initially looked at it was it was it came on the, the first offensive drive for the Steelers, if not, I think, the second at the very latest, and it was... Well, there he goes again. He's he just can't stay dip, disciplined. He he can't learn the schematics of Ben. He can't learn. He just can't get in sync with the rest of the offense. And the opposite side of the way you could look at it is, well, he got it out of his system early, and then he wasn't that big of a detriment as the rest of the game unfolded. But you and I reacted in, in the former, right? You you and I looked at each other and said, "What is it?" I mean, here we are with with only minutes into the first quarter, and we're already talking about Trey Turner being undisciplined, and this is just happens week after week after week. And I I agree with you. I think that this was the guy. This is the only guy you had on on your roster for your offensive line who came in with any type of legitimate experience or any type of pedigree whatsoever. And he has not played up to that expectation or that standard that you you had set for him going into the season. Zach Banner returned off of IR last week, did not receive a helmet for the game against the Seahawks, but he is now an active member of the team. Good news, they will not lose him for the rest of his season as he was activated in time. I'm interested to see as he progresses throughout this bye week once they come back next week and return to practice if he might work himself back into the fold a little bit more. Of course, as you remember, he wins the starting job last season in 2020 before Mm -hmm. getting hurt against the Giants in the season opener. That knocked him out for the year. He was on track to be the starting right tackle this season in 2021 until injuries plagued him all throughout training camp i think he played in one preseason game and then they shut him down for the rest of the preseason put him on ir until just last week he was finally taken off of ir and added back to the active roster um i think in a in a in a fantasy world or or if their dreams were to come true they would like to slot him back at that right tackle spot move chooks to left tackle and get that rookie dan moore off the line in a starting capacity, maybe keep him there as more of a swing guy. Uh, but I, I think it was easier to rest Banner last week when Chooks was coming off of probably one of his best performances in his career, shutting down Vaughn Miller and the line as a whole playing their best performance of the year against the Broncos. So I think easy decision was made that you can – let Banner sit in the sidelines with a hat on this time and a sweatpants and work him all the way back once you have those two weeks with the bye and heading into Cleveland before Halloween. I think he has value, though. Uh, honestly, I can understand if Steelers fans, if you're frustrated with Zach Banner because there's just no availability there. But as far as run blockers go, at least on paper, he's the best one that the Steelers have. And 
I think he, even if he's not a starter and just that number 72 is reporting eligible folk hero like he was a couple years ago, I think that can help a lot in improving the Steelers' uh, stagnant line as far as pushing off and moving defensive fronts back a couple yards to give Najee room to operate. I don't know if I'm in the same boat as you, Tom. I don't know if I think that Zach Banner being reinserted to the starting lineup is going to make a world's difference for Najee. Maybe it could elevate him from getting, what, 84 yards to 100? You know what I mean? It, it could get him an extra first down for a whole game. But to me, I just think that the rest of the line has has just been so detrimental to the offense as a whole that just replacing one starter is not going to solve all of your problems. And I know that's not what you're saying either, but I still don't think it's going to make even – an inch of uh, even like a slightly significant difference well they're trying to throw the kitchen sink at fixing this run game putting more beef up front you've seen Derek Watt enter into the fold a little bit more than usual uh you've seen Zach Gentry who is their beefiest and their best blocking tight end get into the fold a lot more lately as they try to add some of that beef and and I I just think that you know they're using Gentry in that role I I see Banner just sliding in there seamlessly almost when he's fully ready to go because even though Gentry's beefy and a good pass blocking or run blocking tight end excuse me uh, Banner is better than he is of course just naturally because the position he plays warrants that so I wouldn't be shocked if you see what Gentry's getting on that offensive line turn into Zach Banner uh, getting those snaps to try to help jumpstart that rushing offense. And speaking of the rushing offense, uh, I, I think in a weird way that's been their best feature offensively when they're clicking this year is that run offense and utilizing Najee Harris. Unfortunately, I just think there's only been really one game you could point to and say they've successfully run the ball, and that was the Denver, the game. Denver game. They were yardage in the Seattle game. They, as a team, went over 100. Najee had over 80. But that was a grinded-out type of performance. I think he got 80 yards, but he averaged only like 3.3 per carry. So he had to earn every single inch that he got in that football game. So even though, yeah, you look at the stat sheet and think decently good job running the ball, really could be deceiving because it wasn't as good as those stats bear out. And on top of that, they weren't good running the ball early in the football game, and I think that's a huge key moving forward throughout the second half of the Steelers' season. you got to run that ball in the first quarter, first series, and establish that ground attack because, A, it helps you run an offense so much better when the defense has to respect the run, and if you've punched them in the mouth in the first series, they're probably going to respect it for the rest of the game. And B, it'll, I think, just lead to the Steelers feeling more comfortable in continuing to commit to that running attack in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter. When you see them get off to a hot start, I think it's a lot easier for Canada to, you know, throw those run plays in Ben's ear more often than not. And you saw that in Denver. A really hot start. They carried the ball 10 more times than they passed the ball in that game. And you look at the Seattle game, not a hot start on the ground. They passed the ball 12 more times I believe 10 or 12 more times than they ran the ball in that game and they were up 14 to nothing in the Seattle game so opportunity there to run the ball a lot and they still needed to use the passing game more than the running game so you know kind of 
segueing nicely off the offensive line and hoping that they can get their play a little bit more above the line. I'd like to see a little bit more of a commitment to the run early in football games, which would lead to a commitment in the run through the entirety of football games. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously why you draft a guy like Najee Harris is to improve your run game from that has been so bad that has caught that has been so bad, Tom, that everyone in the NFL knows just how bad your rushing offense yeah. has been for the last two or three years. It's not that you're you've been floating around twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and okay, you're not Cleveland and you're not Baltimore. Congrats. No. You're you are thirty second and thirty first for the past three years now. And I mentioned this in an earlier episode this week, the graphic that came up uh during Sunday Night Football, which showed the percentages of snaps that were play action uh, over the last four or five seasons for the Steelers, and they ranked last every year. And right now, they're on pace for 31st. And Warren Sharp took a jab at the Steelers by saying, I guess that's that's some type of progress, if that's what you want to call it. And that just proves my point that everybody in this league knows just how neglected the run game has been for the Steelers and it really doesn't make sense I mean in any game scenario for them this year there have been opportunities for them to pound the ball to use Najee as as much as you can the guy can take it I mean we've seen him make strides and make efforts that you just don't see out of every running back I mean the best example I can think of from this past week was on the Chris Boswell field goal that put the Steelers up 20-17, to 17, it was a third and 16-yard play. Yes, it wasn't a design run play, but it was a short screen pass or, or a short um, check down pass to Najee. And by his own individual efforts, he gained an extra five or six yards that 95% of the, le- the rest of the league, regardless of position, could not get you. And that allowed Chris Boswell to enter into field goal range and make it a 52 rather than a 57 or a 58-yard field goal. And he he kicked the field goal. And that obviously put the Steelers in position to, to take the lead late in the game. And that's something that Najee Harris can do for you. And I know that came in the passing game, but getting him the ball is extremely important to the success of this offense. And getting him the ball early, as you said, is I think the most important getting him getting him involved whether it's via the ground or the air but you obviously prefer be the ground just to kind of get the flow of the game going in your favor right you you know he can break out for five or six yards on first down so there's no reason you shouldn't be going to him on first and second down just to put you within maybe a yard or two on third down if not getting you that first down and that really creates a rhythm for your offense that can carry on for the majority of the game. And I completely agree. They need to get him more involved early on. But something they've been doing the past three weeks now is playing with the lead, right? They they went into Green Bay and got that first possession touchdown to Deontay Johnson, which is great. I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be throwing the ball 50 yards down the field on your first offensive possession and you should only be running it. If you can make that play, which they didn't back-to-back weeks, against Green Bay and then against Denver, make the play. I mean, we saw it come uh, this past week as well. It just, I think Ben was a little underthrown to, or Deontay was underthrown by Ben, and that play didn't convert. But still, they're taking their shots when appropriate, and that I have no problem with that. But when you're playing with a lead, it's football one-on-one. 
to keep the ball in your possession, and that's by running the ball, and that's something they just seem to have neglected to acknowledge. So they were 31st after the Denver game, jumping up from 32nd as far as rushing yards per game is concerned. They are now 29th after the Seattle game. So hey, moving on up. That. Do you know who's behind them? Moving on up. I do. The Raiders, the Jets, and the Dolphins. Team right in front of them, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Raiders surprised me. The Raiders With surprised me. two guys me. like Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs. Uh, the bottom ha- the the teams that are uh, from like 25 down, Detroit, Atlanta, New York, Houston, New England, Tampa, Pittsburgh, Vegas, Jets, Miami. One of these things is not like the other. They just don't. Pa- they just don't run the ball in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. If they use Lenny, touchdown Lenny or Ronald Jones, it's, it's, on in, the, goal it's in the passing game too. Is yeah, we saw Lenny put up a ton of numbers against the Eagles last week. So they're down there with some of the bottom barrel teams in the NFL, and that's not where you want to be unless your quarterback's Tom Brady. And then I'll live down there all day long. Exactly. Uh, you're talking about some of the worst teams in football with and Detroit, Houston. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm just saying Houston, Detroit, the Jets. Those are all horrible football teams. It's just Tampa Bay can afford it because, what, they only have one loss in the season because they have the greatest quarterback to ever live? Greatest football player overall to ever live. Honestly. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that number probably will creep up too, because I bet Tampa's a team that will start to run the ball as you know that weather starts to turn. If they have to travel up north, get into that January f- playoff style football, I'm sure they'll utilize those running backs a lot more. But at least you're improving if you're the Steelers, a 32nd to 31st to now 29th. Hey, let's let's try to get to 27th, 26th next week. Let's just keep inching our way up towards the middle of the pack in the NFL, and that could be a good start as you probably transition into a run-first football team once Ben Roethlisberger decides to hang him up. I mean, I think the blueprint for the Steelers moving forward, and this is now kind of looking way ahead, is to operate under the same type of style offensively as the Tennessee Titans. I don't know if they'll be completely committed like they are. I don't think there ever will be a team again committed like they are. Well, let's also think about this, that the Tennessee Titans weren't really utilizing Derrick Henry early in his career. It took about a year or two for him to really break out. I mean, the the game I can always look to for his breakout performance was that Jacksonville Thursday night game where he had that, what, 99-yard touchdown run. That really put him on the map. I don't think they were going to him as often as they are now. So I can't be frustrated with the fact that they're not giving the ball to Najee Harris as much as they are Derrick Henry. Oh, no, 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 no. But no. They're, not, they're not too far behind. No, 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 no. They shouldn't be all run Tennessee Titans style old school offense right now. You still have Ben. It's a lesser version of Ben, but you still have Ben. So I still have faith in his mental acumen to get the job done and to have balance in the offense. I'm saying once you move past Ben mm. – and if it's Mason Rudolph, which I think the odds next are year. in favor of it being Mason Rudolph as the starter next year, I think you got to be a 70-30 type of run offense, and I think you got the guy to do it with. Like You can't be that 70-30 rushing offense with just anybody in the league. There's only a handful of guys that I think you can operate that way with. Obviously, Derrick Henry is the gold standard, can win you football games being a rushing first and really rushing only offense with just a couple passes sprinkled in here and there um you, you see the vikings are, are capable of doing that but they have so many weapons that they decide to, to have a nice balance anyway mm-hmm. uh, the cowboys i think can do that but again they have a great quarterback and a ton of weapons so that 
forces them to bring balance. I see the team like the Titans. They've got good weapons in the receiving game. They've got a solid, the best running back in football. Question marks at the quarterback play. So what do they do? They lean heavily on that running game. Same thing in Cleveland. They've got talent all around that roster. What's the biggest question mark? It's the quarterback. They lean heavily on their Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt running game. I see the Steelers being that same way as early as next year. What's their week? They got talent all around. You know, they got Chase, Deontay really coming into their own. Fryermuth taking steps forward. That line hopefully improving as they get older. Biggest question mark, the quarterback. Hand the ball off to Najee a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And 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 I think he handles that. You know, I think he can – I don't know if he's a Derrick Henry workload kind of guy because I don't know if anybody ever will be again. But I think he handles, you know, 25, 30 carries a game with grace. And I think he – is going to be able to be a workhorse back and embrace that role and really not have it wear him down at all once he gets into that NFL game shape after two or three years into the league. It's very possible, and I could be mistaken. Whoa, Bumble Ruski over here. But uh, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he has the third most touches across all you know wide receivers, running backs through the league so far. Which I'm, I'm totally happy with. And that obviously has a big part of his passing game involvement, right? It's, it's not all coming through the ground. And that's because you have a guy like Ben Roethlisberger who knows how to get him the ball effectively and efficiently. Mason Rudolph, if he is the guy to get the starting position next year, I don't think you're going to see Najee Harris as involved in the passing game. I think you're going to see him much more so in the run game, which I'd be totally fine with if – as you alluded to, they, they move toward that 70-30 ratio in favor of the run game. But I do think that Najee Harris, like you said, Tom, is capable of getting the ball that many times and taking the beating that, that Derrick Henry does. And, yeah, I mean, Najee's a young kid, but that can only mean that he can kind of toughen up as as the years kind of pile up on him. And I, I think that maybe that could even grow his game. He, he can become a, a Derrick Henry-like mold and – Derrick Henry is someone who I think you and I can agree on. It's pro- He's probably the best running back we've seen in our life. I've lifetime. ever seen. No question. Adrian Peterson. Only one that holds a flame to him. But... LaDainian Tomlinson up for debate. Mm. I saw Adrian Peterson. We saw Adrian Peterson more with Do awareness we... than LaDainian Tomlinson. We saw LT. I'm not saying we didn't, but I'm saying like we were more – mature we, 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 we were, were fully we, we were, were fully aware of what into, was happening to more. the entire league yeah, yeah. like we With, were aware the, right, of right. all 32 we kind of came in and... toward the latter end the second half not just the very end of lte i mean it's still fresh in our memories that he's a jet that's know. what i was just I gonna don't say know how many like, people remember that lt played for the jets that's what i was gonna on say on that afc championship game nonetheless like obviously i do remember him as a charger somewhat but i have memories of him as a jet and i think a majority of people that actually was aware for the most of his career they treat those Jets years like Franco in Seattle for for Pittsburgh even though he was better for the Jets than Franco was in Seattle it's just you're kind of like oh wait he played for the Jets that's Mm -hmm. right but for us it's like yeah we remember that I think it's really a huge benefit for Najee Harris to play on this Pittsburgh Steelers team coming in when he does because with Mason Rudolph or whoever it is at quarterback next year you should expect the Steelers to focus on the run and that could really elevate his game and that can really put him on the map they're really set up to whether it's mason whether it's a rookie 
the line's the biggest part that is throwing a hindrance in this. What I'm so about I'm to glad say. you brought that up because let's look to the draft, right? Last year it was do you go offensive lineman or do you go running back in the first round, depending on who's available. And when Najee Harris was there at 24, it was a no-brainer, right? That was well, the, not only because he was there at 24, but all the really, all really the, good all, linemen were gone. Not only that, but the guys the Steelers really wanted were gone. Were gone. Not, I mean, there were guys that were still available. It's just the guys the Steelers wanted specifically were gone. So if that doesn't happen, right, if there are still guys wherever the Steelers pick, I, I have no idea where they're going to fall in the draft order this year. I really couldn't tell you. Um it looks like they're going to be somewhere around like 15 to 20 at the rate that they're going to I would going say now. so. Yeah. In that neighborhood, let's say there is someone there. So you snag him, right? Alignment? Alignment. Yeah. Right? You expect Trey Turner to not be on the team next year. Agreed. Because he only signed a one-year deal, and, and based off of his bad. performance this year, there's no need to re-sign him. So you would hope it's a guard slash center that you can focus mainly on the guard position. At that point, you now have Dan Moore... You have Kendrick Green, you have Kevin Dotson, you have this new guard to replace Trey Turner, and then you have the battle position again between Chooks and Banner. That is a extremely young offensive line. Again, Kevin Dotson is the, aside from the, the Banner-Chooks guys, Kevin Dotson is the oldest guy on your team, and all four of those names, especially if this new kid who comes in can come in with some pedigree and, and some skill, that, that could set up for a great marriage between them and Najee for the next three or four years, How, however longer Najee plays out his rookie contract and if he gets renewed. Yep. It's a lot of potential, though. It's and, a, Yeah, it's a lot of ifs and and, and, and uh, what ifs. And, and hypotheticals. Yeah. yeah, so that's always a scary prospect when you have a lot of what ifs involved, but at least there is potential. I know potential can be a little bit of a dirty word, but it's better than not having any potential at all, so... Yeah, I think this team is set up moving forward to really help a young quarterback out. Tight ends, Ebron won't be there, but Fryermuth looks like a solid mm -hmm. tight end. Here's you've got the, solid receivers. You've got the one of the better young running backs going to be a top five back in this league sooner rather than later. The other side to this If that line experiences their potential, they'll be able to mm -hmm. do what the Browns are doing to Baker, and even if they hit on an average quarterback, make him look a lot better. The other side to that coin is if there's a quarterback sitting there, how how likely are like the Steelers, Mac Jones was at fifteen? How likely are the Steelers to pounce on on him? I think it has to be the absolute right guy. They have it to, to. It has to be the guy that Dan Rooney and and everyone in the front office has to like agrees on a hundred percent, saying if he's there, that's the guy we go after. If it's not a hundred percent. I, I I can't I can't be okay with going with a, a quarterback over an offensive line. There's not really a quarterback going to be in this class that's a slam dunk. Oh yeah, he's going to start in my offense week one, and maybe he can even get us to a playoff spot right out of the gate. Not going to happen. This class was loaded this past year. I, I think we're going to be on a down cycle a little bit this year. I mean. Matt Corral out of Ole Miss, he's gaining some attention. Malik Willis out of Liberty, you question the opponents that he's played, although in the past that's not mattered for other guys. But no, Trey Lance, yeah, uh, Carson, Carson Wentz, Wentz, but you just, you just, Josh Allen, you just, ne Josh Allen's the main one there. Right. But you just, you just never know. And to be quite honest with you, I mean, those guys went to some below the line schools, but 
Liberty, North Dakota State, Liberty. North Dakota State. Yeah, and I mean, Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah. Yeah, but at least they're playing, you know, they're not playing anybody. I don't think they're playing. I was going to so, say, where are you going with So that? you get good players from smaller schools like that, but there's just, there is no slam dunk, and, and that's, I think, probably what's going to steer them towards the linemen in the I first mean, the round. Bills suffered for 20 years before Josh Allen came around. They'll it, tell you, we, we had no idea Josh Allen was going to be this good. It's all a crapshoot. Josh Allen, Josh Allen of that quarterback class between him and Darnold and Mayfield and even Josh Rosen, and throw Lamar in there, even though he came at pick 32, came in with the least amount of pedigree. All those Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, highs and winners. Sam Darnold coming out of USC. Josh Rosen coming out of UCLA. I mean, these guys came from big schools. They were Heisman Trophy winners. And they might be all... In Second the rear view mirror to, to Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Lamar's the only one right now that's right, right there with I mean, him. Lamar's got an MVP. Yeah, so those two are definitely top of the class. But yeah, Josh Allen's only other one is Lamar that you could say is better than him. And he was drafted even later than he was. So I, <laughs> swings and misses at the it, top it five a, picks in those quarterbacks. Baker, I guess the jury's still out. But Total crapshoot. Speaking of Baker, if you put Mason Rudolph on that team instead of Baker... Is that team any worse off? Uh, I think slightly, yeah. You think slightly? Yeah, Baker, like, see, the thing with Baker is, yeah, he'll give you bad games. Is Mason going to give you the game that Baker gave you against the Chargers, though, where he's no. putting up 40? You know You're what right. I mean? Like, Baker can at least do that. So, How many more wins on a season do you think Baker gives the Browns? I'm speaking the Browns specifically on the season. Than if it was, like, a Mason then it, Rudolph? Then it was a Mason Rudolph, Like yeah. three or four. Really? You yeah. think it's that many? Yeah, okay. I do. You don't think it's interesting week one against the Chiefs either, I'm assuming? No, I don't think so. That's why I think Baker can keep you in games, but then he can also lose you games. So inconsistencies with him is the big problem. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a nice little listen. Always appreciative of that. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you guys next time on the Steelers Standard.